This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you're listening to us, whenever you're listening to us, we hope you are well. Joining us on the phone here in a little bit will be Kyle Reese from birdsontheblack.com. Uh, the MLB draft was this week, and Kyle will be on to give us his insights on that. You said, Clay, that he is a he's a pretty good MLB draft guy. Oh, so yeah. we're going to have him on to talk about the the prospects that the Cardinals picked up uh, earlier in the week. Um, I saw our friend Crash. Oh, tweet out. Gene. Yeah, Gene. Gene. Tweet, uh, Gene Bonds, aka Crash. Tweet out about uh, why he's hoping one day that the MLB draft will be as big as the NFL draft or the NHL or even the NBA draft, and that will never happen. Oh no! Because the, no, because it's a huge snooze fest. Yeah, well, well that, that and there's, there's, there's there's so many there's, rounds, right? And there's a lot of intricacies that go. It's way more than just pick a player and he's yours. I mean, you there's all those things with like slot value and all that good stuff. There, and there, it just there, gets nuts. Okay, the reason why the NFL and the NBA draft are so big is because you mostly watch these kids in college, right? So and you, they're so going to make an immediate impact. That too, you're going to see them play the next year, right? You know the, these college or these uh, MLB draft picks. You you may never see them. I have lots of friends who were drafted. Absolutely, lots of friends who were drafted, but I, never I mean, saw I, an inning of Major League Baseball. I, I knew a lot of people who were drafted, and yeah, never saw, never made it to the majors. Yeah, never did. So that's part of the reason why too. Well, it's the ridiculous percentage of how many players actually come from the draft to make it all the way. I remember back a while back ago, I looked it up, but it's like minuscule in comparison to how many people get drafted. Like. So one hundred percent of the draft field, like, was like how many, like two percent make it? Maybe, yeah, yeah. It was. I, I really feel like it was less than ten percent. I want to say really, which is crazy. That is crazy. Considering you can get it on, you get drafted by the NFL, you're guaranteed, and NBA, NBA first round, you get what guaranteed three year deal? Usually, yeah. Usually, yeah. yeah. What is the new NFL deal? I know they don't get millions anymore. Oh no, they still get millions. No, no, but no it's, they don't get like sixty million. Well, it's not individually. I think. It's not based on an individual basis. I think it's like one through five, you get like X cap, and then six through ten get X cap, and pretty so much. On and so on. Okay, yeah. it's not like what like Sam Bradford. I think was the last one was, to get right. like that ridiculous. What was it fifty five million rookie contract? Yeah. Yeah. The amount of money that Sam Bradford has made in the NFL. Good for him. I mean, he should have worn like the Hamburglar mask the he's entire not, time he was out there playing. He's played collectively for what maybe three. Oh, and he total still is. Seasons. I mean, he right. I, I, I would say right now he's probably the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, has to be. Has to be. It, it, like, and I, I'm call me crazy. I'm still kind of the jury. To my opinion, the jury is still kind of out on whether or not he can play in the NFL because he's either always injured or everybody around him is garbage. Like when he the when he first got to Minnesota and he was healthy and he had wide receivers and a good offensive line, you're like, okay, yeah. Now you can see what he could do. Like he's he's I, not he's not a Hall of Famer. I would no. say, but you could you could win. You could have won with you him. Win I would say him. that it, the jury's out on whether or not he's a superstar quarterback. He's not a superstar. Oh, never. No, the jury is long gone on long that gone. one. But on whether or not he is a starting quarter uh, caliber quarterback in the NFL. Who was the other? Was it uh, Sue? And Dominic Sue. Yeah. It yeah. was it was the uh number two Correct. pick that year. Yeah. And Gerald McCoy. Yeah. I think with three to Tampa Bay. Yeah. Yeah. 
trying to think of who, if those would have been better picks for the old Rammies. Well, considering the the two that followed him were all pro players for and, five straight seasons. Well, and the Rams yeah. were, and at the time, were in dire need of the quarterback. Yeah. Dire need. Like, and, he, they, and a face of the franchise. That too. Sure. Everybody kind of like, they, they forget about that. They just look at their present situation and be like, ah, oh, well, those idiots. I always give Portland a huge pass on not drafting Michael Jordan because, okay, yeah, you look at it now, they look like idiots because of Michael Jordan being the GOAT. So you understand it then. But at the time, no one really thought that Michael Jordan was going to be what he was. And if you're saying that, you, yeah, he, I thought that, you're an effing liar. You are an effing liar. Effing liar. You're an effing liar. But the, <laughs> the Blazers, they already had Clyde Drexler. Right. So there didn't was really, him. yeah, there was really no, there was no need for a shooting guard. So you drafted a big man. That's why yeah. you got Sam Bowie. Yeah. Which, you know, and, and then again, that's a sad story in itself. To, total sad story. And then again, whenever they passed on Kevin Durant and went with Greg Oden, and went with Greg Oden, the reason why they did that because they had Brand, they had a Brandon Roy, and Brandon yep. Roy was fantastic. Why would you need Kevin Durant? What did the Blues draft Eric Johnson instead of Jonathan Taves? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's another that what was, if that would still box me. <laughs> oh man, and there was another player in there too, and I can't think of who it was. Well, it was that same draft. Um, Chicago got two guys. It wasn't two, three guys out of that draft. Who who else came with Taze out of the Kane? Draft? Patrick Kane. Kane came out of that. Oh, same really? Draft. Draft. Yeah. Same draft. Yeah. Kane and Taze in the same draft. Yep. That was just a- if you if you like if you have a draft like that, yeah, you should win a few Stanley Cups. You probably should. You probably yeah. should. If you don't, you suck. Speaking of the Stanley Cups, congratulations to the Washington Capitals and Alex and Alex Ovechkin's bender and Alex <laughs> who's still drunk. Still drunk. He, he he's not going to come out of that. Uh, out of that post, that that vodka sex coma, probably until sometime around July fourth, and that's okay. No, that's perfectly. I'm good great. with that. I'm good with that too. No name, judgment. Name, honestly, name a better city you would want to win a championship in than Las Vegas. Oh, oh. no! Are they still in Vegas? The, wouldn't you be? No, actually, they're not because he was at the. Yeah, they did the. He was um, he was at the Nationals game. Yep. And someone took a long distance shot, like across the field, of him holding up the cup and he's just standing there because they wouldn't put him on the jumbotron because there was still action on the field (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i would still be in vegas i I think i probably would be too so i forgot who it was someone tweeted out that'd be a great idea for the hangover four is the washington capitals (laughs) how they they lose the stanley cup and like three strippers are knocked up and (laughs) <laughs> and they, they can't find, you know, it would be TJ Oshie with the Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah, because he's a super nice guy. And he's up on the roof. <laughs> you have to feel good for TJ Oshie. You do. Love it. Um, Love it. His post uh, his post game press con- oh, statement oh, so about, about his dad yeah. was just absolutely amazing. So congratulations bit, to so Washington, the Washington Capitals and TJ Oshie on winning the first title ever in franchise history. And congratulations to the Golden State Warriors on winning. Uh, back-to-back NBA titles, three in four years, fifth championship, uh, NBA championship in franchise history, six if you count some other basketball association from like back in the 40s when the, the franchise was first put together. So that's five NBA titles now for the Warriors franchise. They have to be right now the modern dynasty in, in professional sports. It's them in New England. I would say so. It would be hard to argue otherwise. Yeah, I, I can't think of anybody else, and it doesn't look like it's going to be slowing down anytime soon. Kevin, Durant has, already, Kevin Mi- Durant has already said that he's going to re-sign with the Warriors. So. I think maybe the run the Miami Marlins is on might be <laughs> a strong Hey, The way the Marlins played here in St. Louis, they looked like a dynasty right sure did so now that alexander ovechkin has won a stanley cup who is the best athlete or the biggest name athlete right now playing on across all four major sports to not have won a title and you know what throw golf out there so we could say oh ricky fowler ricky fowler Fowler, yeah but i mean i'll say carmelo anthony i'll say chris paul 
in the NBA. James Harden could be in that conversation too. He, he's getting there as well. I yep. mean, he does. He does. He's not as long in the tooth as Chris Paul and yep. Carmelo. I mean, could Anthony, you call? Could you call Phil Nicholson's drought at the U.S. Open? No, because he's won. He's, he's won. never won a U.S. Open. No, but he's won majors. He's won though. majors. He has won majors. He's yeah. won majors. Um, and Ricky has won a players, which is the, the fifth major. In baseball, I really couldn't think of anybody other than like Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, but they're both so yeah, they're young, both young. Yeah. that there's no real pressure on them. Mm. And honestly, there's no real pressure on baseball to win a I'm title sure, anyway. No. I'm no. sure that there is some superstar player out there that has not won a championship. I'm trying to think of NFL because I, I, my first thought was to go to NFL quarterbacks. You yeah, know, because well, like, like Dan Marino. Like Dan Marino. Okay, but he's not. I'm talking about actively playing. And I, I was just throwing that out as an example. Yeah. He was a, like he was a superstar quarterback who yeah. never won a world championship. Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, mm. NBA. You can say he Charles, had four chances. He had four chances. In the NBA, you can say Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Carl Malone. Um, you know, those are those are three right there. But it, it's kind of funny how baseball, baseball grace, they get a pass if they don't win a World Series. Because, like I, we've said on the show many times, Baseball is an individual sport masquerading as a team sport. Yeah. It's such a grueling long season, too. Brutal. I mean, in, in comparison to other sports. I mean, it's sure. ridiculous. But it, it's kind of funny when you think about, like, when people talk about Barry Bonds, they'll talk about, like, his numbers. They'll talk about, you know, the, the PEDs. Right. But they'll never say, but you know what? He never won a title. Oh, never. They never say that. That's never brought up. And he only no. played in one World Series. Yeah. Yeah. You think about how great he was. One of the all-time greats. Some Boy, they people were say really the, good in the early 90s. Ken Griffey Jr. too. Yep. Those Pirates teams were really, really good. Really yep. good. Amazing. And you know what? They might have gone to the World Series and won it. Had that, you know, that last year. That 92? He was, 92, when he was in Pittsburgh. Yep. And they were playing the, I think it might have been 91. They were playing the Atlanta Braves. Right. And Actually, I think Bar- they played Atlanta both years, 91 and 92. And Barry Bonds could not throw out Sid Bream from deep short. I remember that. To win, <laughs> to win the uh, the National League pennant, and then after that he went to uh, San Francisco, and and uh, we all know the rest of that story. But we do indeed. Do I, I? I'm trying to think of another athlete that is considered like an all time great that has not won a title that's currently playing. I'm checking on one right now in thinking- the NFL. I, I mean, like okay, Aaron Rodgers has won. Right. I was Tom say, Brady has won. I was going to say Matt Ryan. Is he? But is he an all time great? He's good. I don't know if he's he's one or two, but, but I don't he, think he's. I, I mean, don't think he's an all-time great. He's not an all-time great, but there's definitely the pressure mounting. I mean, it seems like man, they just never get. He never gets over that hump, no matter who the supporting cast is. This gives me the chance to say my two favorite names in the whole wide world. What about Brandon Matamuliana or Chahidi Ahanatu? <laughs> I don't know who you're even talking about. Or former Rams tight former, end. Former Rams tight end or defensive end or something. That made oh, like Illini Mike. Four string contributions were great yeah. or just terrible. Brandon Montemiliana and Shahidi Ahana too. Never forget Illini that. Illini Mike was actually pretty good. He could never stay healthy. He, otherwise, he was a pretty good player. That, could, that same phrase could be uttered for probably 95% of those teams that they played on. Yeah, they were pretty good. They just never stay healthy. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... Tony Romo? Would you call Tony Romo? A great... he, re, he, re, he retired just in time. Yeah, he did. did. Otherwise, he'd be. Otherwise, he'd be the one from the NFL. He'd be the. He'd be the all-time like one of the all-time greats that's never won a title. I would say once Eli got his, it really fell into Tony Romo territory. Absolutely, it did. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is lucky. Drew Brees has won one. Yep, Drew Brees has won. Eli, Ben Roethlisberger Roethlisberger has won. Yeah, Brady's won several. I think. I might have to check. Tom Brady, Super Bowl. I, I think he may have won one. One. Tom Brady. Years ago. Tom Brady got one. <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, it was well, it was it was 0-2 when they beat the Rams. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the New England Patriots going forward because I'm hearing, I don't know how much of it is rumor. How What's much going of it is on true. in New England? 
there is all kinds of turmoil going on in England. I saw something where someone tweeted is out Edelman about Edelman going they, to jail or something? Well, no, he's not going to jail, but he suspended the first four games due to PEDs. Mm. And then there was a rumor going around that they had, they had a trade on the table to trade Gronk. And Brady came in and basically vetoed it. But Belichick wanted to trade Gronk. Brady came in and vetoed it. This is someone on on Twitter tweeted it out, mm-hmm. and then uh, Ben Albright, who act, I mean, people can say what they want about Ben Albright. He's more right than he is wrong, and he's like, if anybody believes that rumor, I got a bridge in Brooklyn. I want to sell you. <laughs> so, because <laughs> the story was that Brady came into the office and was like, "I'm going to retire if you do this." If, yeah, right? if you re- if you tr- if you make this yeah. trade, I'm going to retire. If that happens, they're up Bleep Creek. I thought I saw that Ellen was like in some like police trouble. That, okay, that's that. I did not see that either. Then maybe I misread. You probably misread. Maybe I, know, maybe I read when P- I was sleeping. He's in PED trouble. There's no question about that. He suspended the first four games of the season. Yeah, yeah. So there's which is kind of shocking that he that he would be a PED guy. I don't know. I, at this what, point, I'm not surprised by anybody using really PEDs isn't. anymore. I yeah. guarantee you, it'd end up being for something like Adderall or some some really dumb crap. You know, it, it wouldn't surprise me. We saw or not. Uh, Sorry, I'm getting my, my people confused. Go ahead. <laughs> but look, look, look like D. Gordon. Yep. I mean, D. Gordon was a little bit of a surprise because he's not. I mean, he's not a home run hitter in baseball. Right. I mean, he's he's a hit into the gap and he's a base dealer. He's you know the like the wiry middle infielder. The fact that he was on PEDs was probably a little bit of a surprise. Anybody else? Like, yeah, I, I'm not surprised when it happens. It's kind of like the same thing when you're not surprised when you find out like some athlete was cheating on his wife. I'm never surprised at any infidelity among professional I'm athletes. not either. Okay, like, I'll, I'll admit it. Uh, hands up. If Kurt Warner, if it came out that Kurt that Warner was having That would surprise me. That one would really surprise because me. Because Brenda Warner looks like she'd be on the attack, for sure. Oh, Brenda she Warner. Would murder she, yeah, she'd be on, like, this week's episode of Snap. With that spiky hair, she'd just Absolutely. She's she's kind of strange looking. Uh, she she is an Those two are, like, the weirdest looking couple. She has an interesting look about her, for sure. Like, you would not think that that's what Kurt Warner's wife would look like. That's how they do it in she, Iowa. She looks like somebody who was like in a punk rock band, like back in the eighties. Fan- I mean, I think she has a fantastic body, though. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I'm never. <laughs> I don't think I've ever really checked her out that closely. Uh, I, I, last, I think she is like hourglass shaped. Last is man, she? Uh, I believe she is. I think she has. I, I think she's well endowed she and has some junk in the trunk. Yeah. Oh God, <laughs> is she? As my friend Joe De Niro described it, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Great uniform, awful helmet. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, would you call Brenda Water a butterface? I don't know. Like, I mean, like, I just think she looks like somebody who was like in a punk rock band like back in the eighties. Like if you told me she, she was never a, let go. She, yeah, like if she was a member of, of of sushi and the banshees, I'd been like, Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, you know, the the whole thing that's that's confusing about Brenda is that back in O back in in O one and O two or ninety nine, I mean, she couldn't have been more than thirty five because Kurt was only 32. I think she's a couple years older than Kurt. I believe so. And she had that stark gray hair, mm. which made her look like she was 50. Yeah. yeah. Some people and some people just grow gray early. I think she I think she's gray on purpose. Maybe that could she, be too. She yeah. Was trying to support the Joan Jet look. Yeah. yeah. There's some girls that I've seen girls, young girls do that. Oh yeah. Dye and their hair really gray big on purpose. Now. And now white hair's in. Blows my mind. Blows yeah, my mind too. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get that either. It's like, hey, we're gonna go to the club tonight. <laughs> Are you guys? You guys want to go to all that house wheel? Is that what it's called? How we wheel? We house wheel? While we're in the mood to hand uh, to <laughs> hand out uh, congratulations, congratulations to Justify, thirteenth yes. horse triple to win the winner. triple crown, but only the second to do so with an undefeated record. Seattle Slough was the other one, and 
Tweet of the day goes to Trey Wingo, formerly of KSDK and now current host of Golik or Wingo. I'm not going to say Golik and Wingo because neither one of them are on at the same time. So you either get Golik <laughs> or you get Wingo. Wingo. So it's Golik or Wingo <laughs> on ESPN Radio. He had the tweet of the day uh, yesterday saying, congrats to Justify, who now retires to a glorious life of unlimited horse sex. <laughs> for, <laughs> for what? Uh, $75 million? A lot. A lot. The stud fee went up yesterday. I saw like $15 million. Uh, Bob Baffert made so much money yesterday. Unbelievable, and there's people like, like he and he is like one of the most hated guys in all horse racing is Bob Baffert. It I'm would, a big horse racing fan. Love horse racing, and it's, so you know you know what I'm saying about Bob Baffert about him oh, yeah. being hated. Oh yeah, yeah, he's real he, big time hated. Yeah, he looks like a tool. He does look oh, like he a does. Tool. Yeah, that white hair that's so perfectly parted in his top. Yeah, you just want to punch the guy, but that's so. Just me. But I guess the idea of the, a horse winning the triple crown isn't that exciting anymore. Because it's not. I don't remember. When affirmed, I was born in 77, so I don't remember when affirmed one in 78, which was the last one before American Pharaoh won it in 2015. Yeah, I don't remember it either. I remember there was always a couple of horses that would they were come close. close. They were close. And they, w- they would always fall at the Belmont because the Belmont is the longest race. Yep. Mm. So that the Belmont would always be the one that would get them. And then when American Pharaoh, like you said, uh, won it three years ago, people were kind of like, well, was this the death of horse racing now? I think people are still kind of into at least the Triple Crown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are, are oh, still absolutely. Like, I, oh, yeah. I don't remember hearing anything about the attendance of the Kentucky Derby being mm-hmm. way low. But it's no, it's like the Derby is kind of almost like the Masters. It's like, man, people are just really, really into that one event. Oh, yeah. And then everybody else is just like, So eh. when we were down okay. there, they get about 150,000 people. And Joe figured out that that is more than the Super Bowl and WrestleMania combined. Yeah. At the Kentucky Derby. Wow. Because now, not only is it because, you know, it's the Kentucky Derby and it's been around for over 100 years, mm-hmm. it is now like a place for celebrities to go to be seen. Oh, it's super fancy. Big yes. time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that's where all the girls want to go. They, you know, they have their dress and their hat and, you know, the, the guys will have their, uh, you know, their, their bow ties. Suspenders. Bow ties and like fancy suits. I mean, like, and that's even kind of trickled out to around like these parts too. Like, I've seen people. Oh yeah! Like, hey, I, I got a derby party to go to. It's at, we're getting you know, dressed up. This winery, the winery I went to during that weekend, I went to go see De Niro's band play. Yeah, and they had a derby party there, and you could see. You know, I'm not complaining. It was great to see all the girls walk in with their dresses, and oh you yeah, see, you see the guys like with their you know lime well, green suits and well, you have to fedoras. Wear the, you have yeah. to wear the Nantucket pinks. Yes, know, those brick, those brick colored pants. Of linen. Basically, you're linen gonna be pants suits. No, 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 not not linen. No, oh. these are all like cotton stuff. Like it's seersuck, seersucker, seersucker. You're basically going to be for. buying a suit that you're you're never going to wear ever again. No, I, I, unless it's on Derby Day or Easter or Easter <laughs> or Easter. <laughs> Good point. You yeah, dress up like an Easter bunny. Look, <laughs> that's, that's, that's why we have them here that's to what, think about that. Otherwise, you and I would would be buying those suits and they'd be in the closet just one time a year. Yeah, one. And then Clay be like, "Look, asshole, wear for Easter. Easter. Right, wear gotta for look Easter. good on Easter. You gotta look good on Easter." Um, let's, uh, let's go to Kyle Reese here in a little bit. Uh, he's going to talk to us about the draft picks the Cardinals have made and talk about the Cardinals in general. He joins us next. Joining us on the phone is Kyle Reese from birdsontheblack.com. You can follow him on Twitter at KyleR416. Kyle, how are you? I'm doing really well, guys. How are you? Good. Is your birthday April 16th, and that's why you picked 416? No, no. God, no. I don't even know why I picked 416. Is that how much you bench? 416, 416 <laughs> pounds? You just throw that out there for the women? 
that's how much I can eat. I can eat 416 <laughs> pounds in any set. His current weight is 416 pounds. I like pounds. that, 416 pounds. That's how I really get the women. I let them know that there's a big boy. There's a big boy coming. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to talk about the the draft here in a little bit, but I want to talk about the current state of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, we had Brian Stull on our episode last week, and he was talking about Alex Reyes and how he may be shut down for the rest of the season. It turns out that is what's happening. He's having surgery done on his lat and is done now for 2018. Um, is this going to be like maybe another Alan Bennett situation where it's going to be a great pitching prospect that can never stay healthy, or hopefully this is going to be it and Alex, uh, Alex Reyes is going to be dominating the National League for the next 10 years? I, uh, I don't think it's safe to say one way or the other. The, the comparison that I'm making is, other than the injury, but it just seems like Rick Ankiel because of all of the hype. You know, I'm, uh, I'm 32 years old. The, the whole Alan Bennett thing is, it was, you know, right at the beginning of like my understanding of baseball. And, you know, Ankiel was a head issue. It, it was all about what was going on in Ted with Reyes. It's a body issue, but I just can't remember ever being so hyped up about a prospect. I mean, even Oscar Tavares, like because of the way Alex Reyes rehabbed, it, there was more excitement for Reyes than than there was for Tavares. And the only time that that's been matched is with with Ankiel. And just like with Ankiel, there's no telling what we're going to get when he comes back. I think the best bet is the plan on him possibly being a bullpen piece maybe foregoing a potential starting career and moving on from there. But uh, we'll know come February of next year what it's going to look like. Kyle, I, I saw you had an interesting tweet today talking about how many prospects are now graduating, you know, come, kind of from that minor league status. And you talked about uh, a hole, I think, was uh, what you called it, uh, that's going to be yeah. upcoming in the minor league system. Talk to us a little bit about what that means and uh, what it means for the Cardinals going forward. Yeah, right now the Cardinals are top-heavy. Uh, if they're not playing at the major league level, it seems like all of their potential impact prospects are either at double A or triple A. Now, uh, sometimes for the most part, that's pitching and outfield. We know that, uh, they don't really have a lot of like high end infielders, of course, catching prospects with Andrew Kisner and Carson Kelly, they, they still have. Uh, but what you see is they're top heavy. And then after that, there's a lot of question marks about the depth they have, uh, there, there are some interesting pieces. For instance, uh, there is a third base prospect named Alaris Montero, who is 19 years old and has anchored Peoria, which is the, the low A affiliate or the, yeah, the, the low A affiliate of the full season clubs. Uh, he's 19 years old, third baseman who it, it hits right in the middle of the lineup, who drives the ball, has doubles power, has home run power. And then uh, other than that, there's just a lot of potential role players. And once you get past Springfield, uh, there's some interesting pitchers in Palm Beach. There's some interesting pitchers in Peoria. But once you get past Springfield, there isn't a lot of potential pitching depth the way that we see at the top level. So uh, what you're looking at is probably in the next year, like the next calendar year. So probably June of next year, July of next year. Uh, that's when the whole you'll really start to feel it, uh, which is a terrible choice of words when you think about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's that's when you'll really start to feel and understand it. And then that, you know, judging – it's all going to come down to how this draft went, how their international signings go. Uh, but you're probably talking about another year, year and a half sized hole in the organization uh, that probably won't yield high end talent. Uh, now, one thing the Cardinals are, they do better than maybe any or other organization, especially when it comes to pitchers is max out their potential. So uh, I feel comfortable that they will still have major league contributors. It's just that you don't see like the high end guys uh in like the next year and a half two years 
So that presents a potential problem. But they did do an amazing job in the draft of, at least in my opinion, especially early on, in finding a couple guys who might rise quickly through the system to help stop that gap. Well, you brought up uh, the 2018 draft of their prospects that they took early on, Nolan, uh, Nolan Gorman, Matt Deuce, Griffin Roberts, uh, and, and Luke and Baker. Which of those four do you find the most intriguing? Which one do you think has the best potential to be, as you say, a fast riser? Yes, well, the fast riser is absolutely uh, Mr. Roberts uh, from Wake Forest. That, that slider, you know, when, uh, when the Cardinals took Dakota Hudson in the, 20, uh, in the 2016 draft, he was the uh, – he had what was considered to be the best slider cutter in that draft, one of the. And that's what they're getting with, with uh, Mr. Roberts there from Wake Forest. It's the same thing. They say he has one of the best uh, sliders uh, in the draft. But I just watching uh, Roberts, his, um, his slider, I believe it's, it's ahead of where – uh, Dakota Hudson's was at that same point of that draft. It is filthy. Now with, with, uh, with Roberts last year, he pitched out of the Wake Forest bullpen. He was our closer this year. He was a starter. A lot of people are trying to figure out exactly what he's going to be in the Cardinals organization. Uh, the Cardinals have precedence for this. So they, when they drafted Joe Kelly, he was actually a relief pitcher and then they turned him into a starter and kept him a starter as long as possible. So my assumption is they will do the same thing with Griffin Roberts. Uh, but that slider that Griffin Roberts throws when he throws it out of relief, it's it is straight filthy. In my opinion, the best slider in baseball is Adam Adovino's. Uh and it's it has the potential to be on par with that, uh, especially out of relief. It, it's not it doesn't bite as hard. It, he doesn't throw it with as much velocity when he pitches out of the out of the rotation. But he has a major league capable secondary offering, uh, and he has a fastball that's sneaky good. It it my impression is that it's a, a high rotation fastball. Uh, and uh, I, I'm really impressed with him. I think, I think most uh, experts would agree, but he'd probably be the first one of this group to make it to the majors. If the Cardinals are in a tight pennant race at the end of the season, can you see a scenario where they call him up to bolster their bullpen at the end of the year? Well, I, I, I think it'd be crazy. Uh, that's not to say that it won't happen, but even hearing like Matt Slater talk on the radio, who's uh, involved with player procurement for the Cardinals, he seemed to say, you know, we, we understand that this is a fast riser. Uh, we'll probably pump the brakes on it a little bit. Uh, we could see where people would think that he might be able to help us in the long run. But I get the impression that's only if everything goes wrong with, with who's in front of him in the organization. And, you know, that, go, that reaches to Daniel Ponce de Leon at AAA, Daniel Hudson, or uh, Daniel Hudson, uh, Hudson at AAA, and then Ryan Helsley. Uh, along with some other options, Hector Mendoza, maybe even uh, Junior Fernandez, now that Fernandez is pitching. But I think that it would be the worst-case scenario if, if he made it to the majors that quickly. Kyle, talk to me a little bit about – we were having this discussion before the show started about how, how much of a monster the Major League Baseball draft is and how it huh. doesn't get as much hype as maybe the NBA or the NFL draft. Um, I know you're a big proponent of the draft. You love the draft. You are a big mm-hmm. minors guy. Um, talk to me about why it may not be so exciting for others who may not be as ingrained. Well, so the first thing about the Major League Baseball draft, I, I give it the same preface every time I talk about it. It is a feral animal. And we, we saw that this year where the Cardinals pick, Nolan Gorman, was almost a consensus top 10 pick up until a couple of weeks ago. And then he was almost a consensus like top 12 pick up until the draft. And then he fell to 19. And there really isn't a good reason for that other than teams just kind of fell off of him because he struggled in some showcases and struck out while he was trying to 
hammer the baseball. Uh, the other thing that makes the Major League Baseball draft so random, it, there's a couple things. One of them is the bonus pool. You'll see teams maybe in the second round taking guys that you can sign really easy so that you can reallocate those funds somewhere else. Uh, to sign someone who might want a higher slot in a bonus pool, which is an entirely different like bag of worms. Uh, kind of one of the things that I hate about the major league draft. And then the other tough thing about the major league draft is you have high schoolers, you have 18 year old kids who are going up against 22, 21 year old kids uh, with, with experience levels that just don't match up. If you're drafting a high school, high schooler, especially early in the draft, you are drafting on expectation. Uh, whereas with ex expectation and projectability, where with a, a college age kid or a college player, you're drafting more on tools that you see and you understand and figuring out how to best maximize those. It's a complete crapshoot from rounds one to 40. And that's what makes it so random. And I think that the reason that a lot of fans aren't into it, uh, or maybe not into it the same way that I am, is there are a lot of levels between the day you're drafted and the day you make your major league debut. And you know, the, the old statistic, and I haven't gotten it for this year, but 56% of first round draft picks make the major leagues. That doesn't even mean that they make an impact in the majors, but 56% of first round draft picks make a major league debut. So it just goes to show you the complete randomness of, of the draft, how hard it is to draft for major league impact. And uh, there's 40 rounds, which is just incredible. That's crazy. Three, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're talking, I mean, 1,200 people getting drafted at 901 day. It's a, it's a disaster, and it's impossible to keep track of all these. And really all you're looking for is somebody named Lars Newtbar and hoping for the best. Oh. I was getting ready to bring him up. Please, yeah. please, please tell me there's a high percentage of him making it to the major league level because I can't decide if that's the name of a heavy metal drummer or the name of a Viking <laughs> or both. Yeah, he, uh, he's definitely a heavy metal drummer. He, uh, he has a brother that's part of the Orioles system so he, there's actually there's, there's more new bars oh my god yeah, that, we've that's got amazing new bars all over the country um he, i demand his parents a, have more children right oh, now 100 there needs to be a whole clan of new bars all kinds of new bars <laughs> somebody get new bars on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so the, the thing about lars uh he's the, the second time in two or in three years the cardinals have taken someone from usc uh a backup catcher at springfield named jeremy martinez he was taken from usc uh, with Lars Newtbar, he does have a potential to rise through the system and maybe make a major league impact. And, and the reason is because most scouts believe that he just needs a little swing change. Uh, to, to, he has like raw power. You can see he's all raw power. He strikes out a lot, strikes out more than anyone else by rate that the Cardinals drafted. Um, but a lot of people think that if he just changes his swing, shortens it up a little bit, and focuses on launch angle, which is something that the Cardinals are starting to have success doing in the minor leagues, uh, that he could he could rise up through the system, uh, not not quickly, but on a pretty solid pace. So uh, there, of all of the prospects, uh, he probably has as good of a chance as any past the first three picks to make the majors. Kyle Reese joining us on the phone right now. He is from birdsontheblack.com. You can follow him on Twitter at KyleR416. Let's talk about some current prospects. Uh, I don't even know if you – like, I think you correctly assessed them. I don't think they're, they're no longer prospects. That's Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill. Like, the thing that Carl's have a lot of are outfielders and pitchers, Dakota Hudson, Jack Flaherty, Luke Weaver, Alex Reyes. Do you see any of those players possibly being expendable and possible trade, pay, uh, trade pieces 
at, at the trade deadline this year, or do you think the Cardinals just like them so much that there's no way they're going to you know move them unless they're blown away? The Cardinals love their prospects. Uh, that's that's one. They thing always do. Yeah. Always sometimes, do. sometimes they overvalue them, like in the case of. Uh, Randall uh, Grichik, and yep. and I I wouldn't say they overvalued Piscotty. I mean, they kind of did Piscotty a favor by trading him to Oakland so he could be with his mom there towards the end. Mm-hmm. But it, it mean, if if Stephen Piscotty was you know mashing like the way Albert was his rookie year, do you think they would have done that? You know, the Cardinals hold on to their. It, I think sometimes we get lost with like the prospects. They hold on to their prospects. What they hold on to are their controllable assets. They they overvalue their controllable assets, and I, it's usually it's the same thing. It's almost always the same thing, uh, but but that's where they get into trouble. And uh, this last off season when they traded for Marcelo Zuna, I think that all gave us a little bit of hope. They were willing to go past their their traditional comfort zone in order to make the team better. Uh, we'll see if they do it come this round. But I would think come the trade deadline, that is, I would think that they would be willing to expand a little further than what they normally have for another player that they get multiple years of control from. Like, you know, they gave away four prospects for Marcelo Zuna, but they got two years of Marcelo Zuna. And traditionally, that's that's the direction they go when they trade prospects. If, if they're going to trade prospects, they're going to get more than four months of control, uh, which, you know, kills everyone to hear and to think about because we all want Manny Machado on a Cardinal. Everybody jersey, does. But- Everybody and their yeah, mother. The, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and their unborn children. Yes. And, <laughs> um, but the likelihood of that happening without another piece from the Orioles that they would have multiple years of control for, I think, are almost zero. Uh, I, I do think that all of those players are potentially on the block. I think uh, Carson Kelly, I think he's more on the block than he's ever been, and not because of Andrew Kisner, who's right behind him, but because of the role that Francisco Pena has has performed uh since he entered the organization i think you could see him as yadi's backup until yadi's done uh without having to worry about what comes next and uh yeah i think i would think tyler so tyler o'neill is the only one in the group that you mentioned that still is potentially a rookie still qualifies as a prospect all the other players have have exhausted their rookie eligibility uh but you know i would think harrison bader in particular like he would be a really nice little trade piece, and I know that right now that's almost sacrilege to say. Oh, you're, yeah. Nation. Okay, wait, wait till this podcast goes live. <laughs> you're going to have Cardinal Twitter after your ass because best fans in baseball. Yeah, Harrison yeah. Bader is their new baby, Come and on, how dare you, Hanselman? Where it's, you at? Come on, Hanselman. You're 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 a beef it, boys. We are the best fans in <laughs> baseball. We like we like scruffy guys that play hard. Where's Harrison Bader? He needs to be here. Yeah, he uh, he's the right size and right color to be uh, everything. Oh my! All all he needs is if his name was Scooter Jeanette. Yeah. Like it's it's almost like a minor upset that Scooter Jeanette is not a Cardinal because you want to talk about someone that they'd be fanning themselves over if Scooter Jeanette was a Cardinal. He's got the fun name and man, if he just if he likes bro country, it's a it's a done deal. The beef up have their new boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, they they started. I've seen that uh, some of the people have started calling Harrison Bader either. Hustling Harrison or Harrison the Hustler. Harrison oh, wow. the Hustler is the one I saw. I, this is it's, it's so funny you bring this up, Kyle. I mean, I got nothing against Harrison Bader. I like the kid a lot. I like to I like to watch him play. But I, on our last episode, we were talking about how Tara Wellman has said that 
I'm about to mute the words Dexter, Fowler, Hustle, and Lazy, and I finally did that. And some people on Twitter, I guess, found out that we're doing that, are going around it by saying the Cardinals' right fielder. They won't say Dexter Fowler. They're so hell-bit and determined on us reading what their hot takes are on Dexter Fowler. They will not say his name. They will say the Cardinals' right fielder or the right fielder or the six foot five inch guy. Dexter Fowler is terrible. (laughs) And his wife. Get off Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Stop it. We are the we are the best fans in baseball. We don't deserve this. Dexter Fowler's not playing well. There's there's no there's no other way to church it up. He he sucks right now. He absolutely sucks. I just don't think he keeps quitting or he doesn't care. No, I just no. think that's ridiculous. It's got to be the culmination of a couple of things. And Kyle, you maybe. Well, I think I think I think it's more. I think it's age and he's probably age and just injured. Not, yeah, there was a uh, he replied. Some guy wrote a column. Mark Saxon. Mark. Yeah. Well, he didn't write a column. He wrote a tweet about it. Yeah, wrote, was it a tweet or we? Well, I, I, I think there's I think there's two different things. There, you're talking about Mark Saxon and Dexter Fowler's wife. Yes. And then you're talking about Dexter Fowler replying to the guy yesterday. I can't remember his name, though. Who was that? I don't remember either. I'll pull it up here real quick. Okay. But yeah, anyway, Dex said, you know, I, I, I appreciate you understanding that there's a difference between a lack of talent and a lack of effort, basically, in this tweet. He goes, and for whatever reason, I, I, you know, I don't have the talent right now. It's not because I'm not trying. Yeah, and, and see, to me, that is like the worst thing that you can accuse an athlete of doing is quitting. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Quitting, quitting and not trying. You don't get to the level that you're at in Major League Baseball by being a quitter or by being lazy. Not at all. No way. I mean, unless you're just that God-given talented. And one of those athletes is probably two ever in Major League Baseball existence. One was probably named Barry Bonds. The other one was probably named Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kyle, what do you think? My thought is the one thing that gets lost with Dexter Fowler is that he's had chronic foot injuries since he was, I mean, he was a kid. Yeah, that's true. He was 20 playing in Tulsa for the the Colorado Rockies. He he has history of bone spurs, of tendonitis. I think he tore a ligament in there at one point. You know, when you have to come to a stop to pick up, to reach down and grab a baseball, you can only run so fast. You know, and I I appreciate the fact that he doesn't bring it up, uh, but there's reason to believe that it's just a chronic foot injury. Yeah, and I, I mean, how old is Fowler now? Thirty, what? Thirty three, thirty four? I thought he yeah, was thirty. Like, thirty two. Yeah, I, I would say thirty two. Okay, so I mean, uh, Clay, you're you're finding this out. Andy and I could tell you about it. A thirty year old <laughs> body is different than a twenty year old body. I'm already feeling and it a, today. And a forty year old body is way different than <laughs> way a thirty year old. Way different. I, I've reached to the point now where uh, the the biggest difference I can tell between having a forty year old body and a thirty year old body is when the hell did that start hurting? Like, it's like you'll be sitting down, you'll get up, you'll start walking. It's like all of a sudden, my left ankle kills me. Why? When yeah. did that? Ha- when did oh, that start happening? This, I feel like I have a, like a like a hairline fracture in my right foot. I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah, what, I, I don't have a hairline fracture in my foot. Why does my foot hurt? Why does yeah? Why does my it's ankle hurt? It's the damn beef ends. <laughs> I got so mad at the hot take that I smashed my foot against something. You threw your phone right on the ground when you when you uh, thumbed out that tweet. My thing is, is the hangovers last way longer. Like, I'm oh, well, yeah. A drink so yesterday. It's oh. like, oh, I can't drink for three weeks now. Oh, yes. And yeah. It, oh, yeah. it gets worse. It, it, yeah, and you can't hang like you used to. No, oh, no. I was at a wedding reception last night, and I got there like at 6 o'clock when it started. 
I could have swore it was like midnight. I'm like, oh, it's got to be midnight. It's got to be close to midnight. I looked down at my watch and it was nine o'clock. I'm like, what the you're ready, hell? You're ready to go to bed. <laughs> I was. I'm like, I'm starting to yawn. I'm like, uh, oh, that must be. It's got to be like, you know, 1230, one o'clock. Time for the bar to close. And I hate it. Yeah. Nine o'clock. All right. I'm officially old. <laughs> right. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, so, Kyle, of all the prospects that uh, the Cardinals had that we were just talking about, which one do you think that you like? Which one do you like the most? And which one would you hang on to no matter what? You know, I, I personally like Tyler O'Neill. He would be, of, of that group, he'd be the one that would be tough for me to get rid of. I just, that type of high-end power, the Cardinals don't have anywhere else in the organization. And a lot of times, it, well, let me rephrase that. They don't have, they don't have that type of high-end power at, close in the organization because they went out of their way in the draft to draft guys with potentially high-end power, uh, something they haven't done in a very, very long time. I can't even think of a time that they did it. So there's a chance that this next group, could be that level of high-end power. Uh, but not only do I love the fact that Tyler O'Neill talks somewhat like in a Canadian robot, uh, <laughs> but it would also the other reason for not trading him is he has that power, and he plays a pretty good outfield. And when he's hot, the, the Cardinals don't have another bat that can ignite the fire the way that he can. It would be hard for me to trade him. And, yeah. you know, it, everyone else, it just seems like there is a contingency. Carson Kelly, there's a contingency. The outfielders, the pitchers, there's extra spot. You know, there's people who can backfill those positions. And O'Neill is definitely an outfielder, and there's definitely other outfielders in the organization, but none with the power that he possesses. So he would be the one for me. I agree with you about O'Neill, and I'd be, it'd be I'd have to be blown away to get rid of Jack Flaherty too. Oh yeah. yeah, I think of all the pitching, I like I almost like Flaherty more than I like uh, Reyes. Well, you have to yeah. right now. Uh, well, like oh, I think almost even before, I, for some reason, I just I liked Flaherty better than Reyes. I think Flaherty has more control than what Reyes does. I think after the injury last year, especially people may have started, you know, because Tommy John, you just never know with guys, right? Whereas like Jack Flaherty was healthy, he was pitching well, and yeah. he was the hot thing right now, and, and I, that's carried over. And I think Luke Weaver, I think right now he's a good major league pitcher, but I think that he's one that I could probably part with. I I just don't see his. His body and his frame holding up long term as far as a major league baseball pitcher goes. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm sorry, I don't see a world where you could possibly trade trade Jack Flaherty like that. When I didn't even think of him as a potential like trade option. He's just he's too valuable to the team uh, as currently constructed. Uh, he, you know, especially with the injury concerns, he he's an absolute no trade. It, it would you would have to get you'd have to get like Clayton Kershaw, or, you know, like Max Scherzer in return for let's for do that it trade. That's, for yeah, Scherzer right straight now. up. <laughs> there's a, there's people who are all about Chris Archer right now too. Apparently there was a rumor over the weekend that Chris Archer, or the Cardinals have contacted Tampa Bay about Chris Archer. And like that might be a trade where you think about trading Jack Flaherty because of all of the years of cheap control that you would get for Chris Archer. But other than that, like you just don't trade Jack Flaherty. He's too valuable. And would you even want Archer at this point right now? I mean, see, that's I the thing. Sure. Like, I I was never really blown away with Chris Archer. Does that I, put, he's good when he's really good, but man, call me crazy. I think the reason why the Cardinal fans want him is because his last name is Archer. That would have been cool. I think that's <laughs> I think that's what a lot of it is. Like Archer, St. Louis Cardinals. Come on, it's you know, it's it's Kismet. It's Kismet. Yeah. Does he you, you you do the bow and arrow thing? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Coming off, coming off the mound, the bow that'll and make arrow. Dorothy Light happy. Oh, Ooh, so happy! But that would be way too much game, gamesmanship and showmanship for the oh, best if, fans if, of baseball. If, if, if he if he dyed his hair green and did that, they, they oh my god, they'd have a heart attack. Way too much. Uh, the guy who wrote the story, his name was John Fleming. He wrote it for STLBullpen.com, and Dex's reply was: He quoted the story. There is a difference between criticizing a player's lack of ability and a player's lack of effort. And then Dex says, "You made some great points and some not so great." Uh, crying smiley face, but I appreciate socially aware people. Well, I mean, 
I just think that saying that he's lazy is lazy. I think that's I think that's kind of like a lazy way to approach it. As opposed, oh, he's lazy. That, ah, he. I mean, that's it that's is just, a lazy way to approach. That's just that's just kind of a cynical way to do it. Ah, he doesn't care. Like, come on, what makes you think he doesn't care? And if that was the case, if he if he flat out did not give a bleep anymore, and he's just there to collect a check, don't you think Mike Matheny would 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 pick up on that? And it's it's the onus of the manager to be like, yeah, you know what, this guy doesn't care, so we're we're playing him maybe once a week. I don't even know if Matheny knows what he's doing half the time. <laughs> no. So I I don't put any I don't put any merit behind that statement whatsoever. But yeah, we just we just watched him walk, uh, leave Brett Cecil in there for two innings yeah. after oh my he God. walked two guys to start the second inning. <laughs> I, I can't. I, like, We're not going to talk about it. Not going to talk about it. Both both are up in 2020, allegedly, oh. and I have no idea who I want rid of more, Mike Matheny or Donald Trump. But they're both up in 2020. <laughs> oh no, I know a lot about Mike Matheny. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> how, how about Donald Trump becomes the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals and Mike Matheny becomes president of the United States? We'll get do, me we'll, the righty. We'll flip flop. I, I want have, the righty. You might have a heart attack if that actually happens. <laughs> Burger would be dead. I would be. Uh, my my head would explode. I want to oh. do a double switch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to swap out James Comey and Adam Wainwright. <laughs> For Melania. <laughs> for my daughter, Ivanka, who's beautiful. Yeah, yeah my daughter. Go. My daughter, Ivanka. Uh, too bad Hope Hicks isn't so Too bad she's my daughter. Uh. Oh my Kyle, God. I, uh, I got to ask you just selfishly. Um, Cardinals drafted right-hander Chris Holba, who is a 618 yeah. native, went to my alma mater, O'Fallon Township High School from uh, East Carolina University. Um, I just got to ask, what you know? What did the Cardinals see in him? He's an outstanding young man. He took a line drive to the face, uh, yeah. I believe, two years ago. Had a really, really scary, uh, you know, facial injury. Comes back, dominates this year. Um, what do you see in Chris Holba and uh, his future with the St. Louis Cardinals? So one of the things that I mentioned when it came to hitting is they they drafted pitcher or they drafted hitters with high power potential. One thing that they drafted when it came to pitchers is pitchers with a defined secondary pitch, a potential major league secondary pitch and that can be said with uh with holba he has uh, an advanced changeup. the cardinals love fastball changeup guys the other thing is the cardinals have a history of drafting players from eastern carolina or east carolina uh they drafted seth manis and they drafted a kid named evan kachinsky last year who's a left-hander who's kind of interesting uh and might be a major leaguer down the road but still has some refining he has to do i like holba he has a great size he has a great build if I'm mistaken, uh, his sophomore year was really his burst onto the senior. He yep. had like a, a 1.93 ERA, and he was, as a matter of fact, entering his junior year, he had the lowest ERA uh, in in college baseball entering the junior year from the previous year. Everyone else had graduated uh, who had a lower ERA than he had. Uh, and then, like you said, he, he, he had the, the comebacker, and that kind of threw him off, and then he had a great year this year. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, too, I think he – he had like a tear in his rotator cuff, like a small tear in his rotator cuff in high school. I believe you're right. And uh, he's uh, here's what I think is I think he probably ends up being a bullpen piece. His velocity is like the mid, you know, low 90s. I've heard that he can hit like 94, 95, uh, but he lives like 92, 93. He has a really good changeup. I've heard that his his slider still needs a little bit of work. Uh, but I think at 11th round, uh, command control pitcher. Uh, he he seems right along the same lines of of what the Cardinals have always been able to maximize. And since he has command control with two pitches, it just seems like, you know, he might end up filling that Matt Bowman, Seth Manis type role where he gets overused for three years. <laughs> we need another guy. We need one of those because, yeah, Matt Bowman's going to get uh, pretty much well used up if he hasn't been already. Thoughts and prayers mm-hmm. to Chris Holba. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. 
Uh, Kyle, we appreciate your insights, sir. You can read Kyle at birdsontheblack.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at KyleR416. Not born April 16th. Not Not born April 16th, does not weigh 416 pounds, but can eat 416 pounds worth of food in one sitting. It's unbelievable. I'm a man. Quite the man. I'm glad we clarified that. (laughs) Kyle, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Thanks, Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Kyle. You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Berger. You can follow Clay on Twitter at Ton of Clayton, and you can follow Andy uh, at Emo6. So, gentlemen, are you ready for some secondary league of football? Because ah, yes. the XFL, which is making a, a resurrection, and the new AAF, the Alliance of American Football, they yes. are looking to form leagues. Uh, the AAF wanting to start next season. The XFL in 2020 both have contacted uh, St. Louis about possibly being uh, part of the league and having a franchise in one of these respective uh, football leagues. Which one, if any, do you think would go over well here in St. Louis? They probably both would. They, I, I think, think the, the XFL would more than I, the AAF because too. the XFL already has like brand recognition and the connection with Vince McMahon. And St. Louis, is. I know that you said that the last Raw, uh, the crowd wasn't very big, but uh, St. Louis has been known to be a great wrestling town for a no, long time. It was a time. big crowd. It just, it just wasn't a very it's, vocal crowd. I got you. Okay. So St. Louis, yeah. is, oh, St. Louis has always town. been a, a great wrestling town. So Vince McMahon is always going to have a, you know, a soft spot for the city. And here's another thing, too. Stan Kroenke and Vince McMahon ha- are, do not get along at all. They, they hate each other. So I think that's why I love that man which, so much. Yeah, which is part, <laughs> part of the appeal of Vince McMahon. Um, so you can see where a scenario where Vince would want to come into a market where Stan Kroenke had seemingly failed. To me, it's it. I, they're two different leagues. Like when you look at them at face value, they are. because what Vince McMahon does better than anybody else on the planet is entertain and market and market better and hype. than anybody. Yeah, he, he, anybody. He's, he's he's basically like a modern day PT Barnum. So from a fan perspective, if I have to choose to go to one or the other game, like I'm going to go to the XFL game cuz it's going to be way more entertaining. And I think it all, a lot depends on like what name players sure. the XFL and the AAF sure. get. But from an AAF perspective, I look at that and their ownership group and who they have involved like some really really, you know, prominent names, you know, the Ebersol family. I think that's more of a sustainable option than the XFL, given what the XFL has done before. And that's what I think too. I mean, again, you you, you throw you throw the name Ebersol into something. They're kind of known for entertainment as well. They are. Well, okay, the XFL... <laughs> and producing excellent television shows. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think the XFL would still be going on had it not pulled the plug after one season earlier. But I think there were some big mistakes that Vince McMahon made with the XFL the first go-around. They lost it on the... On like the first show was or the first or second show, they lost it. They lost all their viewers. Well, okay, because they they screwed up that Saturday night game. Yeah, they did the first game and then it ran over into the second game, and then Saturday Night Live had to come on, and they were like, "No, you can't play." So it blacked out, and then then that was just that. It. That's that's part of it too, and I think another reason why is that you Vince McMahon has already got he's you know he's he's synonymous with professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Professional wrestling to the hardcore sports fan, most of them, not all of them, but most of them, I think they see professional wrestling as a bit of a joke. Oh, for so sure. they see Vince McMahon as kind of like, what, what I mean, what does Colin Coward call him? He calls them booger eaters, <laughs> uh, the people who, who are fans of professional wrestling. So you can see where like a lot of their 
of a lot of where that viewpoint comes from. But because you, you you're already kind of seen as being not legitimate, and then you bring in Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler to to call the games, and then you have Jesse Ventura, and he's doing his old shtick from the '80s where he was Jesse the Body Ventura, and he's calling people pukes and challenging people <laughs> to fights. Yeah, so, do you know who one of the first play-by-play guys was on the XFL? Was Matt Vescursion. Matt Vescursion, yeah. who's yeah, now was the voice of, of, yeah. of Sunday Night Baseball. Well, didn't yeah. he get he got canned too? Right, like right after he didn't even last like the whole season, did he? I don't know. I, I, no, I think he, I think you're right. I think he did get I, fired. He got fired. But another reason why the XFL, in my opinion, failed is that he put these teams together in the start of the league, and these football players they weren't very good. No, I it mean, was a terrible product. Terrible product. So you didn't give them really any time to practice and try to hone their skill. The, to, in my opinion, it would have been better off if you would have put the team together and gave them maybe a year or six months to practice to which get is a, what they're doing now. Which is what they're doing now. Which is smart to get. Get a little better, put a better product on the field, because I think if as long as you don't do what the USFL did back in the 80s and make the mistake of trying to go up against the NFL, mm-hmm. I think a spring football league will succeed. Is it going to be as big as the NFL? No. Absolutely not. Nowhere close. No. But I think there would be interest. Um, now, if they get an XFL or an AAF franchise here, is it going to fill up the dome? Is it going to be 66,000? No. no, it's not. Would they get like, you know, 25, 30, 35, maybe 40,000? Yeah, depending on, on, you know, how good the team is. Mm-hmm. And if it's a good, inter- like, if it's a good entertaining product in the field, like, I can't mm-hmm. see why not. It's like, it's a, it's a lot like uh, St. Louis FC soccer, where it's, you know, obviously like not the MLS, like we have dreams of the MLS, but St. Louis FC still, still has a really like still growing fan base and a solid fan base within the city of St. Louis. They do. Now, I, I think that could be said for the same, you know, within XFL or AAF. But it, here's the problem. They play out at Bush or uh, Worldwide Technology Field. That used to be called the Bush Soccer Park because I'm old. Yeah. But so you, when you have 5,000 fans come out there, the place is packed. Oh, yeah. Ever Jones Dome. Put 5,000 people in the Jones Dome. It looks and empty. It looks damn empty. And yeah. it's going to be, yeah. Well, and okay, I'm not going to be a hypocrite here. I was kind of surprised that St. Louis even got notified by either one of those sports leagues because, I mean, if, if you're going to be like a fledgling league, you want to go where most of the people are. So you're going to be looking at the New Yorks, the Chicagos, the LAs, the San Franciscos, the mm-hmm. Dallases. And yes, those are already established NFL cities, mm-hmm. but you know, with the populace there, and if you're not going up against the NFL, you're going to find enough people who, number one, probably can't afford NFL tickets and want to see live football and mm-hmm. go, or just football fans and not a fan of baseball or, or basketball or hockey mm-hmm. and you know need a, a sports fix. And want to go see live sports. I think St. Louis is, is an established NFL football market. I mean, we've had two football teams. Well, okay, and we lost. <laughs> and we lost two of them. And, I mean, and I, w- I was on a, a, a um, on an internet radio show a couple weeks ago with some people from like uh, Baltimore and Philadelphia, and they were, we were talking about the NFL. And the first thing they said to me was like, "Well, St. Louis is a bad NFL city. The reason why you guys lost the team is because the fans quit going to the games." And I had to defend the city again and tell them, okay. People have no idea what they're talking they, they, about. They don't, but that is the national perception. Perspe- this is the national perception is that St. Louis, unless you're playing baseball, St. Louis doesn't mm-hmm. give a rip. And, you know, the three of us are probably always defending the city of St. Louis when it comes to football, saying, no, St. Louis actually has great football fans. They've just been always given, given terrible football. Terrible product on the field. Terrible product. Not even like a bad one. No. God awful. God, and people used to complain about how bad the football Cardinals were. And this was back in the 80s. I mean, they were a dream compared to the last few seasons of the Rams. Oh, oh yeah. For sure. Well, okay, like the last couple of years of the Rams were here with Jeff Fisher. 
they weren't nearly as bad as they were when they were under Scott Linehan. Oh, no. Like, there were a couple times when you were watching a Rams game, and the game would be over halfway through the first quarter. Oh, yeah. And you're like, I'm not watching this the rest. And this is before I, you had NFL Red Zone. Yeah. So you were either you had Sunday Ticket or you went to a bar that had Sunday Ticket or you were stuck watching that or you were watching Lois and Clark reruns. <laughs> I think, God, I think for uh, from the XFL perspective um, and something that Vic, Vince McMahon is very, very you know familiar with is that regional, like kind of sm- not small, but maybe medium-sized market. You look at how wrestling, you know, the WWE developed in itself and how it came together is they had regionally based wrestling circuits. Yeah. You know, he just, he just bought them all and up. And he bought them all up. But he really mastered how to really draw that audience, that regional fan base, you know, that will come out for every game. Tickets, tickets are cheap, whatever. And he turned it into an entertaining product. So from an XFL perspective, they got the right guy in charge if they're going to go over these markets like, you know, Birmingham or Memphis or St. Louis. Um, they got the right guy because he's done it before. Absolutely right about that. Uh, special thanks to Kyle Reese from birdsontheblack.com for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at KyleR416. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes and download at stlpodcast.com. See you on the other side.